0: One of the uh, most interesting experiences I've had in life was going on a school camp with my son. uh, Josh, I can't remember how many years ago it was. He might have been in year eight or nine or something like that. We went into the Grampians. We were camping at Halls Gap. And in the beautiful Grampians, there's things like rock climbing and abseiling and canoeing and all those good things. And on this particular day, I was asked to go with the group that was going abseiling. Now, I've never been abseiling before, And I was kind of keen to have a go but at the same time there's a certain amount of anxiety for me because if you're not working at heights or experiencing height regularly, um, getting up on top of a rock and looking down over a a drop uh, into the abyss is a little bit scary but you can't show fear when you're with school children and so with the instructor and with the young people uh, we went up and up and up and then here we were on top of this uh, great kind of rock that looked down into the valley. And then, as you would expect, the children went first, or the young people as they were, uh, first one went down and then another went down and another went down. And of course, as, as a polite and humble person, I said, I'll, you know, I'll go last. But uh, the effect that that had, of course, was that as I watched them going down, my anxiety levels were coming up because I knew ultimately it was going to be my turn to go down and sure enough that time came and the instructor uh, attached the gear, I can't even remember what it was like, Uh, held onto the rope, gave me the instructions and said lean back now, take your weight and I did and it was quite an interesting experience. Now some of you who are familiar with abseiling or rock climbing will say what was the worry? You know it's a very safe activity when it's done under controlled circumstances like that. But then fear doesn't necessarily have to be rational, does it, to grab you and have an impact on you? But let me tell you, that activity actually required quite a lot of faith. I had to have faith in the instructions that I was given. I had to have faith in the person who had tied the rope off against the anchor rock up there on top of that precipice, which I should just hasten to add was probably only 20 or 30 feet down it wasn't actually all that far I don't think I had to have faith in that single piece of rope as I leaned back and it took my weight and here is the thing if I didn't have faith in the instructor if I didn't have faith in the manner in which that rock had been tied off to if I didn't have faith in the rope I would have been paralyzed I would have been stuck I couldn't have done anything and in fact that's true of faith in life if you stop and think about that because we exercise faith all the time we exercise faith when we get into the car with someone else and let them drive us somewhere now occasionally you might say that's faith that was misplaced when you get out at the other end because they're driving perhaps wasn't so good but practically speaking we have faith every time we sit down we have faith that that chair is going to take our weight And that's actually a good definition of faith. Faith is the belief or the trust that an object or a person is going to act on our behalf. In other words, that that object or that person can do for us something that we can't do for ourselves. That rope that I was holding onto was going to do something for me that I couldn't do myself. I couldn't get down that sheer cliff face without that rope. I can't sit down uh, comfortably, without that chair i'd have to sit on the floor and perhaps sit uncomfortably and faith when it's exercised in the right manner and at the right time and in the right place actually is quite empowering it allows us to do all sorts of things and it's faith that i want to speak to you about today in this the second of our advent series because today we're going to think about the faith of mary and joseph expressed in that revelation that God gave to them of the impending birth of Jesus Christ. And theirs was a faith that was grounded in God. The object of their faith was God and and because their faith was grounded in God, it opened for them all sorts of possibilities that would have, in other circumstances, have been deemed impossible. Circumstances that were unbelievable became reality and outcomes that could never have imagined or they could never have imagined became real for them. Theirs was a faith that actually said no matter how unusual or how absurd the situation might seem, we're going to trust God in this space to act on our behalf. Now, of course, if you think about faith, faith is a major uh, current that runs through the Scriptures Just recently our eldership was discussing the ongoing shape of our church in our regathering phase and we were reminded of the faith of Abram as he was. Then he hadn't been renamed Abraham at that stage who believed God when God appeared to him and said, Abram, I want you to leave your country, your people and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. And our reflection in that space was twofold. Uh, One that Abram trusted God and left. And throughout Israel's history, people have looked back to Abram and said, there's a great example of faith. But it was a faith that was grounded in God who promised to show him the way forward. And that's how faith works. We may not necessarily always be able to see beyond the immediate circumstances, and that certainly was true for Abram. But faith means taking a step, knowing that God will show the way in that unknown space. What Abram needed to do and what we need to do when it comes to faith is actually exercise it and step out. Well, the author of Hebrews celebrates faith that was demonstrated even before Abram too. Abram was not the first to uh, exercise his faith. The author of Hebrews reminds us of people like Abel and Enoch and Noah. And uh, the faith of people like Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses who followed Abram. In each case, the focus was not so much on the faith of the individual, not so much on the amount of faith that that person had, but who their faith was grounded in. Really significant that we take notice of that. In Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1, the author of Hebrews encouraged his readers by reminding them that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses... And of course, you know what the function of a witness is, don't you? It's not to draw attention to themselves, it's actually to point to someone else. This great cloud of witnesses, these people of faith, people like Abram and Abel and Enoch and Jacob and Joseph and Moses, were not there to say, look at me, what great faithful people we are, but look at what God did, look at who it was that we placed our faith in. So today we're going to consider the faith Of Joseph and Mary, the faith that they exercised in the events leading up to the birth of Jesus. There's two readings and I would invite you today, if you'd like to read them as part of your neighbourhood church, perhaps nominate someone or have some ones, a couple of people read it, just fast forward through my reading and do that yourselves. Otherwise, two readings, one from Matthew chapter 1 verse 18 to 25 And the second one from Luke chapter 1 verse 26 to 38. The first one though from Matthew is from Joseph's perspective and it tells us this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph but before they came together she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph her husband was faithful to the law and luke chapter 1 verses 26 to 38 which rather interestingly is from mary's perspective in the sixth month of elizabeth's pregnancy god sent the angel gabriel to nazareth a town in galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named joseph a descendant of david the virgin's name was mary the angel went to her and said greetings you who are highly favored the lord is with you How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Then Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month for no word from God will ever fail. That's a great foundation for faith, isn't it? No word from God ever fail i am the lord's servant mary answered may your word to me be fulfilled then the angel left her you know one of the risks associated with thinking about the faith of mary and joseph is to actually make them into saints and rather unfortunately through the history of the church mary has been subject to that kind of attention and while it's true to say that um, Mary was highly favoured by God and some translations would say she was full of grace which means God had filled her with grace. Neither Mary nor Joseph who was described as a righteous man were extraordinary in the sense that they, uh, they lived a life or had a faith that's inaccessible to us. Both would have been mortified I suspect to think about the manner in which some in the church have venerated them or held them up for accolade over the years since in perhaps substituting them and worship of them and, and uh, honouring them over Jesus. It's really clear from the passage that the announcement of her pregnancy to Mary and the announcement of her pregnancy to Joseph shook their worlds. Their response, uh, though, as we read it, is a testimony to their faith in God and an example of how faith, no matter how faltering, no matter how small it might be, is actually able to be outworked, even for us, and there are lessons for us in this passage. For example, uh, Mary's pregnancy, the news of Mary's pregnancy was clearly a personal crisis for Joseph for the reading that we had there reminded us that Joseph was a man who kept the law and according to the Jewish law if a woman fell pregnant outside of wedlock then she could be stoned for adultery. The Jews took that action so seriously that the death penalty was prescribed for someone Uh, having performed such an act and so Joseph had a crisis on his hands, his fiance was pregnant and he was not the father, he knew he was not the father and when Joseph learned of this what would his natural assumption to have been? It would have been in concert with the natural assumption of 100% of men in the same situation. Jumping to the same conclusion, somebody else is involved And when we are ourselves hurt, our natural instinct is to hurt others. You know, hurting people do hurt others. And so there was a potential in this space for a terrible row between Joseph and Mary. But here's the first thing that we learn about faith from this story. There are many lessons that we might learn about faith from this story. We're just going to focus on a couple today. And that is this. Joseph, who was a righteous man, a man of faith, was able to express mercy and that's one of the things that faith actually does faith allows us to express mercy to other people the bible tells us that there was no row no public legal proceedings instituted by a highly miffed joseph when joseph heard about the situation he actually responded quite differently it does tell us uh, as a man of mercy he decided in his own mind to divorce mary quietly they were betrothed so uh, by law married but yet not fully married and by divorcing mary quietly rather than insisting upon the full force of the law he was demonstrating great mercy and not even in his hurt or in the legal considerations that could have been brought to bear was his mercy and his compassion overwhelmed he was serious enough he was Of the right kind of caliber to to go through the process of seeking a divorce but it didn't allow him to lose sight of the fact that there was a person involved in this process and so mercy was demonstrated to another person who had feelings and I'm reminded in reflecting of this on the time when Jesus stood before a woman who'd been caught in adultery and what did he say in that context? He said, go away and don't sin anymore. He demonstrated profound mercy to a woman whose life was, uh, was a real struggle. We don't know what her background was. We don't know the kind of pain or grief that she had borne to bring her to the place that she was in. Uh, we can only imagine or guess at that but what we see in Jesus is something that we actually see in Joseph as well because when Jesus saw the crowds when he saw the sinful people uh, when he saw the individuals in need of so much help he didn't add to their problems he didn't just pour judgment upon them and faith allows us to be merciful because thank goodness it's not up to us to sort out the world What a blessing it is to realise that that's the case. It's not up to us to make every wrong right. It's not up to us to see justice done in every situation. My job, your job, is expressed here in Micah 6.8. The prophet asked this question, what is it that the Lord desires of you? And the Lord said, to act justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. You see, faith allows us, faith empowers us to express mercy to others. Well, the manner in which Joseph and Mary responded to the news of the pregnancy suggests that they also had a faith that was open to incredible possibilities and that's something else that faith does for us. Some, uh, Quite some time, some years later perhaps, uh, we're not sure how many years later, Paul wrote these words, he said, God can do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work in us. I think Joseph and Mary believed that in Luke chapter 1 Mary's response to the news delivered by the angel is in the form of a question she said how can this be since i am a virgin how is this going to happen that's a rather interesting statement because if you have a look at um, the revelation that Zechariah uh, had that Elizabeth was going to fall pregnant Zachariah's response was one of unbelief this can't be happening this can't, this is not possible Mary said, how is it going to happen? I can understand in God's economy, it's possible. I'm just not sure how it's going to be worked out. Faith helps us to believe in incredible possibilities. In Matthew chapter 1 verse 20, the scripture says that Joseph considered the news from Mary. It's rather interesting and it seems quite clear that he didn't ridicule Mary for what she said. He didn't laugh out loud and say, that's ridiculous. What are you thinking, woman? You've got to be kidding What Gabriel had said to Mary Joseph probably found incredible too but he believed because he had faith and this is really significant because Joseph and faith doesn't put boundaries around God it doesn't put limitations on what God can do now I know uh, many of you have been like me uh, on the journey of life at times Uh, you've said to God in desperation won't you please do so and so? Would you please answer this? Would you do this? Will you perform this healing? Will you open this door? Will you create this space? Will you do what? We've all been there. If you really are a loving God, will you show your love by acting in such and such a way? We sometimes bargain with God in this space too. Perhaps there have been times when we've assumed that God will or should act in a certain way, assumptions based more on our own capacity than on God. Just let me illustrate this. Some months ago, I was praying for a particular outcome uh, for someone, and uh, and just the prayer just kind of seemed to hit the wall. The same prayer, Lord, it seems to me really obvious. This is what should happen. You know, we could just see a trajectory of of increasing risk unless God acted in this space. And so I was praying, Lord, would you just do this? Would you? I knew what God had to do. Let me tell you, I did. Um, It's always risky when you're in that space. And so I was saying, God, can't you see how sensible this would be? Just do this, you know? And he just seemed to keep on saying no. And then uh, when the time was right, according to his good purposes, in his perfect wisdom and knowledge, he opened the door for what became an answer that I look at now and say, wow, I could not have conceived of that i could not have conceived of that true faith doesn't try to box god in or force him to act in a particular way or to control the manner in which god answers prayer or betr- predetermine how god ought to respond true faith allows god to be god and says in the face of uncertainty or trials or grief Uh, Whatever it may, the Lord is sovereign and he will act for the good of his people. He always does, always has and always will. Third thing we might say about the faith of Joseph and Mary is that faith gives us courage and sustains us in difficult times. You know, there's no doubt whatsoever in my mind that uh, the appearance of the angels to Joseph and Mary Uh, buoyed them up in their spirits and gave them a really good thing to anchor but it still wouldn't have been easy in the community that they lived in. I imagine, I don't think this is drawing too long a bow to say this, as Joseph went about his business, he was in the construction industry, rough kind of industry for some, you know there probably would have been workmates who uh, would have been sniggering behind his back, you know. Oh, here, yeah, Joseph, yeah, yeah. you know what happened to his fiancée? Yeah, she got pregnant. Oh, yeah, it wasn't it? Was it him? He says it wasn't. And for Mary too, uh, the busybodies of Bethlehem would have looked askance at her as her pregnancy became obvious. And I can imagine it might have been fairly early on because she was probably a, a young woman of fifteen or sixteen, so in all probability quite slightly built. Uh, how soon would it have been? For those who were less generous in the community to start talking behind her back to question the truthfulness of what had happened but when our faith is grounded in God when our faith is grounded in the promises of God it gives us courage and it sustains us in difficult times it sustains us in the face of some of the deeper challenges of life you remember the story of Job everything was taken away and in that moment um, Job's wife who was well I'm not sure if she's the kind of wife you really want but uh, she said to Job just curse God and die for goodness sake man and in that space Job's faith sustained him he believed in a God who was bigger than his circumstances. Faith grounded in God reminds us that this world is not our home and it plants in us a vision of of an eternity beyond the trials and the struggles that we face in this space faith in god uh, c- curiously it actually helps us see beyond this materialistic culture you know we think oh am i going to have enough superannuation we've we got enough insurance have i got enough of this have i got enough of that you know it's not about who dies with the most toys wins faith says we can just manage that stuff the things that we need and not want and desire everything because God's got our lives in his hands faith grounded in God was what drove Hudson Taylor to write to his wife Hudson Taylor served with the China Inland Mission and they struggled at times he wrote to his wife on one occasion we have 25 cents and all of the promises of God we are rich indeed 25 cents and all the promises of God faith grounded in God helps us when we face a a health crisis because God knows our bodies more intimately than we will ever know God knows what's going on with that disease or cancer or whatever it might be and God's going to work out what is ultimately the best God is able to do more and abundantly beyond what we can imagine it lifts us our faith is able to lift us from the anxiety of having to get everything right in this life realizing that Christ came to die for sinners just like us i don't have to be perfect i i strive to imitate jesus be perfect as i am perfect uh, and that is something we aspire to but i know that i'm going to fail but faith says god will lift me in those spaces faith like that of joseph and mary sees the invisible believes the incredible and receives the impossible let's pray lord we uh, we may uh, be momentarily encouraged as we reflect on the faith of someone like mary and joseph and and i don't think it's a long shot to say many of us will say well that's terrific but that was them i find it so much harder i find it hard to express my faith i find it hard to generate faith i find it hard to live my faith i find it hard to witness to my faith those are honest honest reflections god but in that space we're reminded it's not up to us to generate faith it's not up to us to create it it's a gift that comes from you and our task is just to allow you to be the focus of our faith, to be the one that we put our attention, our desires, our aspirations in. And so we pray, Lord, that you would just fill us with faith, fill us with faith in the face of a challenging world, fill us with faith faith in the face of a challenging year. And as we come again to the end of the year where traditionally we celebrate Christmas, the focus of our faith again we affirm as Jesus Christ it's faith that brings us to that place where we realize we need a saviour it's faith that brings us to that place that means we know we have a saviour gracious God we thank you for acting on our behalf we thank you that as the object of our faith you are worthy and you are good and so again today we worship you Give us the gift of faith in whatever circumstances we face, no matter how challenging, no matter how tedious, no matter how unusual or how ordinary they might be, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.